the Body Positivity Podcast with Arliss and Diana, and we have an amazing guest on today. Amber Hollis is a doctor of oriental medicine. She supports women who are overstressed and have lost their zest to find balance in their mind, body, and soul so that they have more joy and energy to live the life they crave. Through Soulistic Medicine and membership, she partners with her patients to bridge the gap between how they feel and how their vision of truly and fully loved and living life would be. I bring to you Amber Hollis. Welcome so much. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. We are just absolutely thrilled for you to be here. And we always love to start off with the very first question of what part of your body has been easiest to love and why? Oh, gosh, that's actually a tough question. I feel like I've shamed every part of my body at some point in time. So what part has been the easiest for me to love? Um, I'm going to say my arms. I feel like through like they're the easiest for me to just feel comfortable in and not always, but, um, yeah, I feel like, I feel like I have worked really hard to just like create like strong muscles and, um, yeah, I, I grew from hating them and hiding them to feeling comfortable and confident with them. I love that. I love that um, there's even a little bit of a story in terms of getting to a place of comfort with them, but really recognizing your strength overall um, and and also your growth. It sounds like like part of what you love in it is that is that you've demonstrated and experienced growth and evolution in your self-love with your arms. Yeah, true. I love that. Has there been a part of your body that's been more challenging for you to love? For sure. Um, I think that something that has always like stood out is just like difficult, hard to hard to be in love with is my belly. Even if I have a six pack and I'm ripped, which has, you know, been part of my history. I still just have this little, little poochy thing that for some reason in my ding dong head, I just can't get this little pooch thing, um, out of my head. It's always bothered me. And it's taken me a really long time. I still struggle with that. It just, it's just always there. I call it my, my cortisol fat pack. <laughs> it just kind of always hangs out with me. Um, but yeah, I would say that that's probably my most sensitive area. I'm very aware of it and how, um, how it's just visible and kind of there. Uh, that's, that's the thing that comes to my mind and stands out the most. Yeah. When you're having those, you know, feelings come up, like we all do. And by the way, I have that similarity with you. My belly is the most challenging for me too. But when you have those come up, those feelings come up, how do you maybe shift your focus or change your feeling around it in that moment to find more body positivity? Cause it sounds like you'd go through that. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this, I feel like has been a lifelong challenge and a, and an up and down thing for me. So I can go through periods where I feel really great and it's easy to love my body. And then there are periods where I'm stressed. My body does not respond well to stress. I have, uh, I can start gaining weight and then that it's, it's not as easy to love myself. Right. So um, it, it has been a work in progress to really love myself at any size, no matter what. And one of the things that I really have to do is realize that my worth is, is not wrapped up in the size of my body or what I look like. And I think that if we can, if we can remember that and keep that at the forefront of our mind, it's easier to say, okay, I don't necessarily need to be talking to myself like this. Um, my body is strong and I will cut my negative thinking off really quickly. Now, if I start to shame myself or say something about a part of my body or, you know, anything about myself in general that is, is not loving. I interrupt myself and give myself some grace and, and re rethink the thought and say what I want to say. Um, and oftentimes I, I think that we could all benefit from this, like talking to yourself, like you would talk to your daughter, if you have one, I, I'm not a mother, but you know, talking to a little girl, you would never ever say those things to a little girl. So I like to talk to myself like I am a little girl because we would always uplift and only say beautiful, loving things to a small child. So it's really about interrupting your negative thinking and um, talking to yourself in a way that is much more loving. Even if you don't believe it in the moment, it's a practice. You just keep doing it and keep doing it until one day you realize that a lot of that negative uh, self-talk is no longer even issue. Yeah. What, what would you say are some of the things that you think help us build a self-worth that's outside of our body or outside of this size of our body? How do we start to find um, self-worth elsewhere when the, if that has been what has driven us in the past? Yeah, that's a really great question, Diana. Um, I mean, I think one of the things that, and I, I mentioned this um, already, but one of the things that we really need to do is understand that we are in this body and we're in this life and in this world for a reason and for a purpose. That is, that is my belief. And so for us to be thinking that our worth has anything to do with the size of our body, um, is pretty superficial. And I, I, I know that probably sounds harsh because a lot of us, including myself, like we, as women, we think about our bodies a lot, but it is a really superficial thing, right? To be thinking that what we, what we look like, what our physical appearance, um, has to do with our purpose in this world. Um, and so we really need to keep that in, in mind that, that we are given this vessel, this body, this physical 
physical body to walk around in, in on this earth. And it doesn't really matter what it looks like. And we all spend so much time focusing on what it looks like because uh, most likely of fear, you know, we're biologically wired to want to be accepted. And um, unfortunately, our culture, like as we have grown up, you know, you're accepted if you look cool, you're accepted if you wear the you're accepted if your body is a certain size and there's so much fear of rejection which is natural it's our biology to think like that and to be like that but now that that's no longer um you know a survival issue we really need to be thinking about how we can love our body and support our body so that it is strong and healthy in this beautiful life that we have that is so beautiful i love that I just want to share some comments from um, from the the chat. So we have Shirley saying that she's grateful that her knees are pain free. I always talk to my body in positive ways. Diana taught me that. And Arsha says, I would never talk to my boys or stepdaughter in the same way I have spoken toward myself. Um, and go ahead and raise your hand, even if you're just listening. You know, if if you've been that person, right, who has um, has spoken to yourself in a negative way. And so what I hear you sp- saying. Amber is to start to catch ourselves in that and then to ask ourselves uh, a little more critically is this how I really want to be thinking and feeling about myself Um, but I also hear like a but like some self-compassion in that, a recognition that, you know, these are patterned responses, that these are these are um, biological, that what we're doing is a very human thing to try to fit in or to try to feel accepted um, and that we can wrap that part of us who longs for acceptance in love and, and understanding. And then that's part of the healing of um, of these this concept when it when, when it comes to our self-worth in our body. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, I think that there is going back to kind of like the looking at ourselves is like a little girl. If we can step outside of ourselves um, and look at what's going on and how we're talking to ourselves, it is wildly sad. It is so sad. And this, um, this is one of the things that kind of got me on the journey of really wanting to work with women on, uh, self-love and body love in my medical practice was because I was actually in this, in this group and it was a very spiritual experience, but it was, um, it was somewhat around, um, like changing your belief patterns. And so we had this moment of vulnerability where people were just typing in like what they were thinking about themselves. Um, and it was, I mean, I just broke down in tears, like to hear what people were saying about themselves. Like I'm disgusting. I'm ugly. I'm so fat. I can't even look at myself. I need to hide the hideous. Uh, like these things just coming out of people's mouths and just like watching them typing and like they were just showing up on the screen and it broke my heart. And I realized it was breaking my heart. I was no different. I have definitely said these things to myself and I want it to, I want to get to a point where we, as women, as humans, we can say that is completely unacceptable to look at ourselves or anyone else as fat, disgusting, unworthy, taking up too much space. I mean, I, it's just, 
it's so sad. It breaks my heart that we, that we take up so much mental space and so much mental energy. And if we could free that up and love ourselves a little more and be happy with ourselves, think about what we could do with that mental energy. We could do some really amazing things in this world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And what I hear you talking about, I was doing some research earlier this week on self-acceptance and self-esteem and the difference. And what I hear you talking about is full body self-acceptance, which means um, loving and and being compassionate towards ourselves for who we are now in this body, how we look and feel now in this body and not looking for ways to feel worthy based on what our body looks like or not. And, and I love that. I think that that's such a beautiful message. And I think that it's something that every person on this planet needs to hear. I have not met one single person in my life that hasn't had some challenge around this, no matter what they look like. Right. It's so true. I've worked with women who, um, they've, you know, come in to see me for one reason or another. And I have learned that their, their main thought going through their head, which is really their main health complaint is that she was too thin and she looked like a skeleton. And think about how many women look at her and think like, that bitch. Like I have women tell me that, that they look at other women and think that they're a bitch because they're skinny. And I'm like, what are we doing ladies? Um, so, I mean, it's just, you never know what is going on in somebody else's head. You never know somebody else's story. And so, yeah, it really is something that we need to be aware of uh, and, and spread that compassion to others. And, you know, mostly our, ourselves is that all of us are going through the same thing or we have gone through the same thing. We're, we're always, you know, not quite good enough. Right. <laughs> and that's the whole goal. And like the work that you guys are doing and the work that I do is coming to that conclusion that we are absolutely enough and we are absolutely perfect, uh, just how we are. And it could change, you know, we can get smaller, we can get bigger. The, the goal is that we're just healthier. And this is so important because if we wrap our worth up on how we look, we are going to be some miserable, unhappy 80 year old women. <laughs> you know, I mean, think about that. If it, we're just going to get older. It's part of the package. It's part of life. And we're not always going to look how we look today. And if we're going to hold on to that, we're going to be really miserable when we're older. Yeah. I love, I love that you say that because it's absolutely true. And when I talk to women who are older, they love themselves more at that older age than they ever did when they were younger. And they wish that they had known when they were younger, how beautiful they really were in that moment. And the other thing that I hear you talking about is that there's shaming and blaming and judgment on the full spectrum. 
So it's not just about being overweight or being bigger. It's about being thin and maybe it's even too thin or looking perfect, like um, having a body type that really uh, does conform to the classic societal view of beauty that can also lead to shaming and blaming too. And thank you so much for bringing in that full range into discussion. Yeah, you're welcome. Absolutely. It's not, it's when we think about, um, even the title of your podcast, just body positivity. Um, I think that most people think about, Oh, you need to be like, we need to just self-accept if we're overweight, like that's so far from what body positivity means because there are plenty of people, uh, that are not remotely overweight that are not feeling very positive about their body. Absolutely. So when it comes to, um, to listening to our bodies, can you share a little bit on your insight on, and maybe your journey to getting to a place where you'd listen to your body? Because I think that for most of us, um, in, in society, it sometimes feels like we're, we're trained to push our bodies to the limit or to take no days off or to, to just work harder. And, you know, like to, to, to find success in that sort of way. And for me, a lot of times that meant disobeying or completely ignoring my body. So can you share maybe a little bit about your journey in getting to a place where you started listening to your body? Yeah, absolutely. This is such a good question. I love this. Um, because this is actually, this is so much a piece of my journey. Um, when I was going through, um, medical school, Chinese medical school, um, I studied so hard that, I mean, I, I, I spent night and day studying, um, weekends. I mean, it was just like, and I was in love with it at the time. So it was at, at, at first, it didn't seem like a problem. Um, but it was too much. And then I went on to do a residency in Washington state and we were working 14 plus hours a day. We got one day off a week. Um, and it was just insane. And in this time frame, I was being taught by Dan, the owner of this clinic, it was a very successful clinic um, that was, and he was telling me that this was the way that you had to be, uh, had to work and had to market and had to run your business to be successful. And he also told me <laughs> that I was going to have to work extra hard to be successful because people wouldn't take me serious because of the way I looked. I was in my early thirties at the time. Um, and he told me that since I was young, white female working in an ancient Asian medical system dominated by men that I was going to really have to work really hard. And that stuck with me that, um, that was ingrained in 
in my being that I was just going to have to go above and beyond so that people would take me serious. And he, um, he, he taught me in a way that now I feel like was really brainwashing. I didn't totally see it at the time. Like I was taught to look a certain way, like wear my lab coat, talk to people in this way. He totally stripped Chinese medicine of its beauty and magic and made it very medical. Um, so that people, could understand it. And that, so people could take me serious. So when I moved back to Denver to open my clinic, I opened up a mini version of what he had. And I didn't think it through. I didn't realize that I had to see patients during the week and do marketing events on the weekend. And I was running myself into the ground, wondering why I was so miserable because I loved the medicine I was practicing. And I came to a point where I was so miserable. And from the outside, it looked successful. I had this fairly large clinic, this beautiful space. Um, and, and it was just eating at my soul. I, and I knew in my, in the depths of my being that there had to be a different way, but I remembered it was somewhere in my, somewhere in my body. I stored that this is the way you have to do it. This is the way you have to look. This is the way you have to talk to people to be successful. I kept doing it and I ignored my intuition for a really long time. And this is when I started uh, gaining weight. I hadn't changed anything in my exercise routine or my nutrition. Those were both very important things to me. And all of a sudden I just started gaining weight. And then I started blaming it on my thyroid. My, I have a hereditary thyroid, um, hypothyroidism called Hashimoto's. Um, and I started blaming my thyroid and shaming my thyroid. And then just, I mean, this, the thoughts were just spiraling and it wasn't until just a few years ago where I absolutely no more. Like I have to listen to myself. I knew it and I had ignored it for a really long time. And I felt like it wasn't just my body talking to me. It was my soul talking to me. You know, that feeling, that intuition, that deep knowing that something has to change or you're being pulled in a direction. And it wasn't until I started listening to myself where ugh, things just started to shift back to where I wanted them. And I think that that's a really important message to, to women and to all people here is that when you are feeling pulled, when you are feeling miserable, when your body is talking to you through whatever way, for me, it was weight gain for you. It could be headaches. It could be minds. It could be uh, pain in your body. It could be, you know, something else that's talking to you. We have to listen. It is our job and our duty to listen because we are the only ones that can fulfill our mission. And if we are supporting ourselves and living a life that somebody else has created for you or a life that, um, you, you think you're supposed to be living because that's what you're supposed to do. We will suffer. And I really think that we can end suffering for ourselves. If we listen to ourselves, listen to our bodies and listen to these symptoms, this is our chance for course correction. I love that. I want to clap, but I know we're not supposed to clap on a podcast. But I just want to be like, my drop. Like this. 
Yes. <laughs> that was amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I love that our mission on this planet is to listen to ourselves and listen to our body. And we're the only ones that can fulfill that. That is so freaking powerful. That is mm-hmm. awesome. So I would love to know from you if you could share with us one or more of the self-care practices or self-love practices that you choose to keep you in touch with listening to your body. Sure. So um, first, I'll kind of elaborate on what I already mentioned about interrupting the negative thinking. So that is one way that you can show yourself some love is by having that be a practice every time you have a thought. So for me, I would always, I had this repetitive thing of like a weight that I used to be and a weight that I am now. And that's a 20 pound difference. And I can't believe I've gained 20 pounds. And how could, how could this happen? And it, it goes like that. And I'm constantly thinking about this, this 20 pounds. And so for me, it's like a, no, stop you're beautiful. You're fine. You're strong. You're healthy. And I can either say that to myself or I can say, I am strong. I am healthy. And I usually will tie this together in a meditation practice where I am literally like hugging myself or like stroking a part of my body. For me, it's often my thyroid. And I practice gratitude towards this part of my body. Sometimes it's my belly, my cortisol fat pack, (laughs) and I'm just thanking it and I'm apologizing to it. And if you guys think about how magnificent our bodies are, like how crazy and beautiful this machinery works like this to be shaming it, shame on us for shaming ourselves. Right. (laughs) I know we shouldn't shame on shame, say that, but I, there is just so much strength and the things that we feed ourselves and the things that we think to ourselves, we are lucky to be alive and even like, you know, moving, right. These things over time will really take a body out. And so one of the things we can do is just show some literal love to our body and just say, thank you. Thank you for trying so hard. Thank you for working so hard. I'm so sorry that I didn't appreciate you. I'm so sorry that I talked to you like that. And I'll go around my body in a meditation and, um, and I'll do that to, my whole body and especially the parts that I have been really, really rough on, because like I said, our bodies are just trying to keep us alive and we're not doing it any favors. If we're, if we're shaming or, you know, thinking negatively, this is really damaging on a cellular level. There's, uh, there's research about this. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this or, um, it's, it's really kind of, out there, but it's like quantum physics kind of stuff where, uh, our thoughts are changing our physical body. Like our cells are listening to us. And maybe you guys have seen, um, experiments done on plants 
where they're, you know, they're watering the plants the same, but one plant is, is being like yelled at and said, you know, terrible things to and playing like really loud, obnoxious music. And the other one is, uh, like really relaxing music. Somebody's telling the plant they love, they love the plant the the plants are in the same amount of sunshine and the same amount of water um and one plant is is wilting and dying and the other is thriving and so that happens to us and that sounds really out there but we can we know this we we have seen this and so it's so important to do that. So, um, that's one of my favorite things to do. I think it's one of the most powerful is to really just talk to your body and show it some actual literal love. There are, there are others that, you know, I kind of group together into that process, but I do think that, um, breath work and meditation, um, are probably the most powerful, uh, self-love and, um, I would really say it's more of like a world love. Like if we can, if we can make ourselves better to show up in this world, we're going to make this world a better place. Um, but doing like breathwork practices to calm our, our overactive mind and our negative thinking pattern can be really, really beneficial. Um, and if you guys want, um, I mean, I'm happy to go through like what that looks like. Some people may already be really well-versed in what breath work is and there's so many different kinds of practices, but let me know if you want me to go into any detail on what that looks like. Yeah, let's. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just give, um, I'll give two examples because they're, um, they're similar and they're really easy. So, and, and many of your listeners may have already heard of this. It's uh, widely known as box breathing and it's a very balancing breath. And what box breathing is, is that you're, um, inhaling to account, um, usually to account of four. If your lung capacity is not there, you can certainly change the number, but the, uh, inhale, the holding at the top, the exhale and the holding at the bottom are all the same count. So four is the number that's generally given. And this is just a really um, balancing breath. And when you're counting, it kind of, it doesn't totally stop the thoughts. We're very talented. We can count and have uh, thoughts at the same time, but um, it, it really does help kind of keep the mind centered on the breath and on the counting. So it's just like an inhale to four. I'll hold at the top for four. An exhale for four. And a hold at the bottom for four. And you can just repeat that. And even, um, you know, just a few rounds of that can be really, really helpful. The other one I recommend for uh, people who have really high anxiety um, or just feel like nervous, anxious, just kind of like can't stop moving, um, really overactive mind. And this one is just an inhale to four and an exhale to eight. And that longer exhale is what really helps push our um our system into the more rest and digest this the parasympathetic nervous system. And so many of us live in this fight or flight hyperactive mode. And so that long exhale actually stimulates the vagus nerve that runs from the brain down into the guts. And so 
stimulating that nerve can be really, really helpful. And I will tell you, so many people have really underestimated the value of uh, breath work and think, oh, it's just too simple. This method is taught to Navy SEALs to calm their anxiety when things are a little heightened. So um, there's been a lot of research around this breath work. Um, some people like to know that. Some people need to know that there's like science behind this, um, but it can be super valuable and it's so easy and it's so free and you can do it anytime, anywhere. Nobody even has to know your doing it. You can do it in a car. You can do it on a train or a bus. You can do it in a, on an airplane. You can do it while you're in meeting. So I really, really love this, this breath work. I love that. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that you had said earlier that, um, that really resonated for me was this idea that where what we're battling against and what we're using these techniques of breath work and um, and like um, interrupting negative thinking patterns that it comes from this place where sometimes the words of other people almost can serve as a spell in terms of like you know you having the sense as a result of a mentor that you needed to be a certain person or that you had to work really hard and the work that needed to be done on the other end to dismantle and to start to believe something different and to um, to really move into your enoughness and and recognize that yeah like I, I am whole I I can hold my space my, my own in this space and it, it doesn't require more hard work to prove that Absolutely. I think that the sooner we realize that we don't have to work really, really hard to be a certain person or to get somewhere to have a level of, of success, um, I think we're doing ourselves a favor if we can just relax and rest a little bit. I see so many people in burnout. And, um, and I can tell you that... Coming back from burnout takes a long time and a lot of money. <laughs> you cannot take enough supplements to get out of burnout. It takes some serious self care. And so I really, you know, want people to not get to that point. And it doesn't mean that we don't work hard at times. Of course, like we're all on a mission to do something here. Right. Um, but the idea is, is that we don't need to kill ourselves doing it. Um, we, we should enjoy the journey. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what is one tip that you would give to our listeners when they have maybe some negative self-talk patterns coming up or other negative patterns arising? What tip would you give to reconnecting back with self when that happens in that moment? Um, what I would recommend is kind of like a, a couple step process. Um, but I would, you, first you have to recognize that you're doing it right. That's sometimes the hardest step, but when you recognize that you're doing it, I recommend that you write this thought down and you write down what the thought is. And it could be like, or let's give me an example. Give me an example of like a repetitive negative thought. 
Yeah. So something like, um, I remember when I was anorexic, I would say, um, you know, like you're not actually hungry. You're not hungry. Like you've eaten more than enough today. Like you don't need anything else. And I know that that doesn't sound like super negative, but it's incredibly destructive, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. So we could, we could use something like that and totally transform the thought and the sentence to something like, um, I trust myself and I nourish myself when needed, or I nourish myself at all times, something along those lines. And that becomes your new mantra. A mantra is just a phrase or a word that you repeat and repeat and repeat. And these are the things that can get ingrained into your body, into your mind. Unlike, you know, what happened to me, somebody else telling me something that was, that became ingrained. You can ingrain new thoughts into your mind. And I have done a lot of this kind of work. And so working just like step-by-step now you could, you could make this whole process where you uh, take a journal And you just mind dump and you just let it spill. Let it be as petty as possible as just all the terrible thoughts that you're having, get them out so that they're not in here so much, right? The more that we can talk about it and get it out, get it out on paper, the less it is in our mind. So we use this as a, as a tool. And this is great for type A people who want like instructions, right? (laughs) They can like organize all of this information. So you get all of these thoughts out and you can do a couple things with them. But I, where I was going with you, Arliss, is that you get the thoughts out and then you can take the ones that are really repetitive, the ones that bother you the most and flip them around. And it might feel awkward because it might not feel true. And so if it doesn't feel true, rather than saying like, um, we're going to, I'll use a real basic one. Like, um, I'm, I'm too overweight. I need to lose weight. I'm too overweight. I need to lose weight. Okay. So we switch that around to, um, like I'm skinny or I'm perfect or whatever that might really unto you at the time. So you can, you, you can modify the phrase to, I love it when I feel fit and healthy. I love it when I feel strong and competent, whatever it may be, but be creative with your verbiage and just create a a sentence that feels authentic. And it feels like something that you want to create. You want to have, you want to believe, and then you use this in the meditation. And when I say meditation, um, you know, it, it can be something really simple. It can be something that you're just repeating in your head on your way to work or during the day, or you can actually use it in a meditation where you're seated, you close your eyes, you start with some breaths and you start to repeat that thing. I love it when I feel strong and confident. I love it when I feel fit and healthy and you just have it on repeat. And by God, I swear this will change your thought. And when you can change your thinking, you can change your behaviors and your actions. And when you start changing your behaviors and your actions, you, you literally are changing 
your world, your life, the way you feel. So it seems so easy, but that would be like my best tip is to take what is being repeated, turn it around and repeat that, repeat the new thing. That's awesome. Thank you so much. That's, and what I love about that is it is so easy to implement. So there isn't an app or a computer program or a book or anything that's needed. Like all of that is within our own power to just sit down and take a couple of minutes in a day and do that and really experience profound change. Right. I don't think we give ourselves enough credit or time. We don't give the simple things enough value. And so Gosh, if we could just, if we just took any of these little small things and did them on a daily basis, it would change your life. It's changed mine. I love that. That's awesome. So for you, what are some of the body image expectations or societal norms that you feel like you aren't conforming to? that's a good question you know I feel um I feel so far removed from from that at this point in my life that it's a difficult question for me um I still I I definitely still have that kind of ingrained like you need to be uh, like you need to be a certain size to be, um, sexy or desirable. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm happily married. I don't feel like (laughs) I, I, I want to be healthy and strong and that's my norm now. That's like the, the norm I want to teach people is just to be strong and healthy. Feed yourself, feed yourself. Well, don't calorie restrict. Don't do all of these crazy diets. Um, but yeah, that's a really difficult question for me to answer. Um, I, I'm getting better and better at not conforming. So I guess it's a good thing that that question is so hard for me to answer. (laughs) I just think there's health and beauty at every size. And, and I think that, um, I mean, I don't know. Do you guys think that that's getting better in our culture? Do you think that's still um, a huge thing? I mean, obviously it's a big deal, but I don't see as much, and maybe it's because I'm not out, I'm, it's not in front of my face as much, but like on the cover of magazines, you used to see like these sickly, super thin, stick figure, childlike girls. And now, I don't know, I feel like I see, um, I feel like I see healthier, stronger, more muscular, um, more curvy, but maybe that's just what, what I'm seeing. What do you guys think? Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I remember I got a Victoria's secret out of the mail a few months back. Um, and I remember the model on the cover having belly rolls like she was like scrunched like she was leaning to one side and it showed belly rolls Uh I mean she wasn't 
she was, you know, average sized or whatever, but like the positioning that they had her in specifically showed belly rolls. And I just felt so much comfort in that. I know that makes me smile. Yeah. What about you, Diana? Um, I feel like I can still see it. I think that there are definitely a lot of folks who are still working through that paradigm of um, of a body supposed to look a certain way. And um, and that's so why I see it less in media. I feel like media has maybe been a more progressive, but I do see it in, in people's behavior and their and what they say sometimes and not even recognizing sometimes what they're saying. Um, so I think it's I think it's still there. But I think that it like like you're saying, Amber, I think it really depends on the circles that you're running in. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at an event this past weekend where there was this woman who was um, I think she was a beauty queen or something at some point. And she was definitely one of those that ascribed to, oh, yeah, tell your date like you eat nothing, basically, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And so it was very different to see. Um, and to remember as well that even in the progress that I see overall, that there are still many people who are struggling through that um, through that paradigm. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I'm sure that that is just so interesting that you that you heard that <clears throat> just our whole concept around food and and like eating in front of people that actually reminds me like when I was really young, like, um, I would say middle school, high school, I remember not eating in front of boys. Like people would order pizza and I would starve all night. I wouldn't eat. And I don't even like, obviously there's, there's issues there, but looking back, I don't remember feeling, um, like there was a huge issue. I was just like, Oh, that's gross. I don't want to like put anything in my, like there's something really weird there. Um, so interesting that, you know, still people are, um, people are conscious or self-conscious about, about food and, and dating and, the whole thing is just so odd. Yeah, I feel very removed from it, but then I see it and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> it's like a, and then I remember that, you know, there is a degree to which I live. I'm very intentional with my energy and who I spend time with. And so I don't necessarily spend time with people who are like that. But I also recognize that that is a lot of um, Filipino culture, for example. So yeah. in Filipino culture, there's a lot of emphasis on on being thin and slim and, and looking a certain way, having not being too dark. And so I still hear that from, you know, a lot of family members or other people. And I feel very far removed from it and send compassion that way. But I, at the same time, I'm just like, 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 are we not (laughs) progressing in terms of like our thought and recognizing that this is, uh, this is not a way that we want to continue to speak to ourselves to your point, Amber. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, and I also want to say that I'm sure that to a lot of our listeners, this might be a norm, you know, that, and they're just, they might just be hearing for the first time that it's, that there's a different way of thinking about food or thinking about eating in front of someone else, especially someone that they find sexually attractive or are, you know, or is in the group of people that they find attractive, right? Not necessarily the opposite sex, but in the in the group that they find attractive and they might be having this moment of wow i didn't realize that i was thinking that way and there's a different way to think about it so the different way to think about it is when we're hungry um you know and i had to work on this a lot myself is just being able to recognize that hunger feeling as a positive like my body wants nutrition my body is feeling healthy enough to feel hungry and then thinking about well what does my body need and want in order to sustain health and being open with the people around me especially the people that I'm thinking of um, having relationships with being open about why I choose the foods that I choose and why I I choose to eat when I eat and things like that and really opening up a healthy dialogue and and then and that's possible it's totally possible to move to that space and and like for our listeners uh, Diana and Amber what's one suggestion that you would give for somebody who has been hiding their hunger or not eating in front of somebody that they're attracted to or something like that because of this normal social programming that we've all been exposed to in our past what what do you think is like one baby step that we could give them I mean, just to realize that eating food is a normal, (laughs) a normal thing that we have to do. I mean, that's what I would have told myself as a, as a child, like it's okay to eat. It is okay to eat. Okay. To be hungry, to deny yourself food or deny yourself. Your hunger is, is denying your humanity. What about you, Diana? Um, so I, for me, how I looked at and look at a lot of that stuff is um, when I hear those those sort of thoughts or, or feelings or pressure, I, I start to think about where that story came from. Yeah. Um, you know, was it something that, you know, uh, another female had said, a friend or a family member or, you know, what, what did, where did that thought come from? Because my feeling is that they, did, they don't just come from nowhere. And it can be from a magazine. It can be an off joke that somebody made in a movie, a, a fat joke or something like that. Um, so I think, I think for me in dismantling a limiting belief, I like to look for where did this story come from so that it stops feeling like my story because again it's the truth is that it came from somewhere so when I start to see that it came from somewhere that was outside of me I feel less attached to it and I can I can approach it in this way where I see like okay this was a part of me but this isn't all of me Um, so I look for I look for story and um, and kind of like back into the past of like where did this come from like almost like excavating (laughs) how about you Arliss For me, I think that it just starts with um, recognizing 
is this a feeling because this feeling of wanting to deny myself, is it because of how I'm feeling about the situation or is it because of the people that I'm choosing to be around? And, um, and so if I look at that, um, and it might be both, it could be a little bit of both. Right. So I just encourage our listeners to really Choose the people that they're around um, for how safe and loving and kind and compassionate um, and authentic and vulnerable they are. And and then also a look inside and be that way to self as well. So as much as we are looking for the people in our lives to show up in that way, I think it's it's even more critically important that we're showing up for ourselves that way. And when we show compassion and love to ourselves and to our bodies and we surround ourselves with people that are doing the same, then moving through these past learnings that are harmful um, and it just it allows it to happen in a safe space and in a really gentle way. So it's not about making that behavior wrong for me. It's about really finding within myself what could be a better choice that supports me. And so I would just say to our listeners, if you're having that come up where you're in a situation where you're in a group or on a date and you're feeling hungry and you feel that resistance around eating, just pause, just like Amber has talked about, recognize that that's happening. Think about why that may have happened in your past, like Diana said, and then think, you know, what's a more gentle, loving choice I could make in this moment. I love that. Absolutely. So Amber, our guest, has an amazing gift to give our listeners uh, today. So please tell us all about your gift. Sure. Well, I have this. Um, I've created this concept called joy lifing. And so I have this like three part. There's video. There's also like a manual um, that comes with it. It's just a, a free downloadable um, video and manual that you can learn more about it. It talks about some of the practices that we um, have talked about tonight. Um, a lot of it is around mindfulness and mindlessness. I like the mindlessness piece is more like, um, you know, that mind dump and getting all the, getting all the thoughts out, um, and also some tools to loosen up and, and, you know, learn to take ourselves less seriously. I think that that's a, a big problem, um, has been a big, big piece of my journey is just taking myself too seriously. And that can just be so hard on the mind and it can be so hard on the body. So this tool has some, um, uh, really cool tips in there, um, just for mind, body, soul health. So I would encourage you to download it and check it out. Um, and then I do have a free training coming up, uh, next week. So if anyone is interested in that, I would, um, be honored to have you there. It's free. It's fun. It's called burned out to blissed out. And it's all about stress relief and loving yourself and, uh, nurturing yourself. So I can give you a link for that too. 
Awesome. And if our listeners are just listening in and um, maybe aren't on our mailing list yet, where would they go to download this awesome gift and join your uh, free sessions? Yeah, it's right on the front page of my website. And my website is vitalitycenter.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amber, for being our amazing guest today and sharing all of your wisdom and expertise and really giving a gift and just your knowledge to our listeners. And I have to also thank Diana, my co-host. And Diana, I know that you know what we're going to be talking about next week. So do you want to give our listeners a little hint? Yes, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite topics. Uh, Arliss, you and I are going to come together. We're going to be talking about the science behind food and diets. So I think that's going to be a really, really interesting discussion based on both of our uh, professional and life experiences. Um, and we're, we're really going into understanding uh, our relationship with food, with, with dieting, um, and and, you know, what's really healthy and right for us. Absolutely. That's going to be an amazing topic. Thank you so much, Diana. So thank you all to our listeners for joining us today. And we can't wait to be back with you next week. Have a great week, guys. Thank you, ladies. Bye.